In the background is a one-room schoolhouse. In the foreground, a group of barefoot boys are playing a game I know as Crack the Whip. One person is the leader, one boy, and each boy is holding the hand, others are holding each other's hands, so they're making us a whip. And the point is for the person in front to just run around, or you might do this on ice skates, skate around so that you throw off the person at the back. You whip them around and they fall off and then they try to gather on or get back on earlier in the whip so they don't, that doesn't happen again. It's a, it's a colorful picture. Um, and thinking about when it was done, 1872, the, civil, the end of the Civil War was as close to Winslow Homer as the year 2002 is to us, just to give you that sense. Interpreters from the Metropolitan Museum of Art observe that Homer's boys hang on to one another, strain to stay connected, run in perfect harmony, and fall away, enacting all the possible scenarios for men after the Civil War. We can tell that it is a time of transition by the fact that the boys are barefoot, signaling the innocence of childhood, but they're also wearing suspenders. So we know that they have the coming responsibilities of manhood. In one corner of the painting, the top right corner, the clouds are darker and thicker. But in the other two-thirds of the painting, the sky is a, a hopeful more hopeful blue because they're just the small white clouds interspersed with the brightness of the blue sky. The painting offers a balanced vision of playfulness, difficulty, joy, hope, and responsibility, all of which are aspects of the Christian life as well. There is work involved to live into the playfulness, joy, and hope of God's new creation. Now, the author of Revelation has been, had been exiled to the island of Patmos when he and God worked together on this vision. Christians were faring poorly under the Roman emperors, Though their leader had been executed decades before, followers of Jesus were passionately spreading the word about the way he healed people, about the way he spoke so intimately of God, about how he reached out to people on the margins and renewed their hope in God's love and strength. Jesus had, been, had believed so strongly in the love and the power of God that he had been killed for his beliefs. And for the people then, the witnesses who were telling others about it, they knew that Jesus had changed their lives. And they wanted others to have the same experiences of power and hope that they did. They wanted others to be able to worship and thank God for changing their lives through Jesus. But in this picture, too, just like in Homer's picture, there is a a thick dark cloud over part of it. You and I know that people in power do not like feeling threatened. 
The Roman Emperor Nero is said to have used the Christians as scapegoats for some of his tyrannical behavior in the 50s and 60s. And John of Patmos is living probably around the year 90 under the Emperor Domitian. And Christians, like John, are refusing to call the emperor Lord and Master. Sorry, Lord and God. They're refusing to worship his image. And so they get tortured and they get killed. Simple as that. The word martyr originally meant witness. It's come to mean those who were killed because they would not renounce their faith in Jesus. Early on, the church celebrated the lives of these martyrs on their birth dates until there were too many of them. And then they combined them all into All Saints Day. It's sort of our Christian Memorial Day when we remember the sacrifices of others and the freedom and hope, our freedom and hope, that they helped to provide. John's vision in Revelation strengthens our hope. When life is painful or fearful, as if our eyes are turned to the sky watching for bombers to kill our days, we need hope. Claire Booth Luce says, There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. For instance, Howard Lukock tells the story of a man who fascinated his companions by telling of his experiences in a little town called Flagstaff, Maine. The town was to be flooded as part of a large lake for a dam that was to be built. And in the months before it was to be flooded, all the improvements, all the repairs in the town just stopped. What was the use of painting a house if it was going to be covered with water in six months? Why repair anything when the whole village would be wiped out? And so week by week, the whole town became more and more bedraggled, more gone to seed, more woebegone. And then, by way of explanation, this phrase was added, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. John of Patmos and Isaiah the prophet create images for us that give us power in the present. The message of Christ is hope, and each of us is invited, perhaps required, to extend hope to the people around us. Winslow Homer was not a canonized saint, but his painting of Snap the Whip expresses hope. We're all saints as we use our talents, as Homer did, to express hope to others. On the whole, Baptists have not venerated the traditional saints. We've left that in the hands of other denominations, even though their stories are inspiring. But we have our heroes. And I think we can call them saints safely without being sacrilegious. Your bulletin insert gives the name of some saints, uh, Mrs. Burroughs, 
Nanny Helen Burroughs, and some others. Some of them we know from our mission offerings like Annie Mae Broyles from the Roanoke Baptist Association and Alma Hunt, who grew up at First Baptist Church of Roanoke, Lottie Moon from Charlotte Courthouse, Virginia. These Baptist women exhibited Christ's hope sacrificially and generously. Names that are less well-known may be John Leland and Jeremiah Bell Jeter. Jeter was jailed for being outspoken about religion. These men and women helped us to know about freedom in and for Christ. And we named some saints this morning. Among them were educators who taught their students the hope of the benefits of education. Among them were stay-at-home mothers who taught their children about faith and how to care for others. Among them were ladies who were, whose involvement in the Women's Missionary Union kept before us, Calvary Baptist Church, the needs of a hurting world. Christians are purveyors of hope. Isaiah gives us the vision of a mountaintop banquet. As the Greeks on Mount Olympus, the Israelites too believed that mountains were a place where people connected with God. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. John says it like this, the home of God is among mortals. I think when we hear music like we heard this morning, it it really feels like the home of God is among mortals. God is here. God is within us. God is saving us. This table of communion is, is Jesus' reminder to us of our salvation. Like Homer's painting, it is an image of play, of difficulty, of innocence, of joy, of responsibility. The gift to us is that Jesus has already done the work. He leaves it to us then to enjoy the salvation that he's provided. And I believe that he hopes we will share the joy and hope with others so that God's love will continue to grow and spread. As we enjoy the gift of Jesus and the saints in our lives who told us about him, we seek to be saints for others. Let's pray together. O Lord, you have created a banquet for us. For this, we thank you. We ask your blessing on the elements that are before us. 
May we receive them with joy, with thanksgiving, as they give us strength and power and remind us of you and your salvation. In your holy name we pray. Amen.